Welcome back to a new episode of Her Group Chat. And 2100, I'm Julia. And I'm Steph, and we are the co-hosts of a podcast called Her Group Chat. We are two best friends who basically have known each other since high school, and we started this podcast last year. Basically, we just talk about everything from gossip, celebrity gossip, bachelor recaps, to relationship advice, and everything in between. We pretty much give you the inside scoop of what girls talk about in their group chat, And we tend to put men on the hot seat and turn the table. So today we're hosting Jason. Yes. I am so (laughs) happy that you mentioned gossip because this, I want to be a gossipy little bitch on this episode. I want to talk some shit. Um, the, the, The reason I need your guys' help and I'm happy that you guys are here is I want to do an episode. I want this episode to be about secrets and the idea of secrets because it's not something that there's a lot of history on like i looked up i looked up a lot of shit i looked up like where the word comes from what it means and like the greatest secrets of all time but whenever you look into that it's just conspiracy theories like (laughs) (laughs) like the greatest secrets of all time are always like people being like this atrocity doesn't exist or um, these people are lizard people and I'm being lied to or the earth is flat and it's the greatest lie man has ever told. So I, I kept getting stuck in the conspiracy rabbit hole and I wanted to pivot a more of a gossipy kind of secret because I think there's a thin line between like a crazy conspiracy and a great secret. What in your guys' opinions makes a good juicy secret? And yeah, yeah, what, what makes a good secret? I personally feel like um, I think every secret has a little bit of like a dramatic, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's always like a little white lie within a secret. There's always something that just makes it a little bit more dramatic, makes it a little bit more like, oh my gosh, like this, this and that. But I think it's unfortunately, I think a secret is something that is like meant to like hurt someone or meant to like the reason why you're you're keeping a secret is because it's going to offend someone. It's going to hurt someone's yeah. feelings. So like, yeah, it's like something that you, you don't want people to know. So it's like a taboo thing. Like, so, is I there such like a someone... thing as a good secret? I mean, yeah, maybe like so. a surprise. Like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I'm keeping it a secret. But like, I don't think that's the common secret. Like when I think of a secret, I'm not thinking like of Julia keeping like. I don't know if I'm if I'm just about to expose a a secret. (laughs) No, if I'm hearing that Julia's keeping, if I'm hearing that Julia's keeping a secret from me, it's because I think that she's trying to hide something from me, probably not in a good way. Especially with a friendship like ours, like or you just like don't feel comfortable telling a certain person something, so I feel like they get offended. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I was looking at, I was trying to think of like good, juicy secrets, and some of them are in the gossip columns. I think the one that I thought you guys would know about, are you guys familiar with Alec Baldwin's wife? Hilaria? Uh, yeah. Have you heard about her? Yeah. She, I kind <laughs> of pretend, have heard she was about pretending her, like, to be Hispanic. a fake accent or something. She was pre- no, yeah, she's been pretending to be Hispanic for God knows how long. Uh, and she made up a whole backstory. And then that shit got blown up. Uh, and she's not, she's completely white. 
She's not uh, Hispanic at all. She just kind of learned. I think she went to Barcelona for a couple years is what they said she did. <laughs> I did not hear this. Yeah, yeah, I'm bringing the tea. I know, and, and that's very similar to Rachel Dozal, who is a white woman who pretended to be black, which is all. It was also a great secret. And Jussie Smollett, that was a good lie. That was a good secret. Uh, but the, what is the difference between just like outright fraud and a secret? Because I don't know what the I don't know what the difference is. I would say like the Hilaria Baldwin thing. Like I would say that was a lie that she's just been like keeping from the world. But I would I would think a secret is more of something like something that's completely true, but you just don't want to tell people. Mm. Does that make sense? That's very no. That's great. That is uh, because there has to be a difference because I, I, I so setting the parameters i don't want to catch someone in a fraud if i'm going out and i'm trying to find secrets to 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 impress you guys and to try to display to the people of the year 2100 like an apt description of our society i tech i'm boring i'm very politically minded the second i think secrets i think corruption ba 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 but corruption doesn't move the scale there's tons of corruption it's not on the news it's not e doesn't have corruption. When you watch E, Ryan Seacrest and them, uh, Andy Cohen, the gang, they're not talking about corruption. They're talking about like Alec Baldwin's wife. So what yeah. What should I look for? What Should I try to catch a celebrity doing something? Should I try to expose something big? Like what, what, what are some criteria for me to go out and find some secrets representative of our, of our time? I think that's the hardest part. I think that you're the thing is, is it's a secret you're never gonna know. <laughs> you are never gonna know, unfortunately, whether it's a because secret, it's no longer it's, a secret the second people know. Yeah, it's not and, a secret anymore. And there's always a little bit of a lie within it. So I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't know if you're gonna be able to like find what's the perfect secret. Yeah, that's, that's the, the goal. That's the whole that's like, mystery the goal. of it. Find the perfect secret. Hmm. Because I have, like, I've the only things I have written down notes for this episode. Uh, <laughs> Alec Baldwin's wife, <laughs> uh, Steve Renazizi, he lied and said he was in 9-11, but he wasn't. And then he got, they exposed that secret. That's why the lie thing is perfect. But a pure secret, like something, maybe I could... <clears throat> I'm fucked. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to, to to take this episode. And that's why I want to do it so bad is because I think the best way to go about it is kind of approaching someone anonymously and being like, what's something you've never told your family? But it has to be like on an anonymous, like no one's going to like put themselves on the spot and like let their biggest secret out with their name behind it. It has to be like such an anonymous thing where it's like if someone came up to me and was like, what's the biggest secret you've kept to yourself? And I'd be like, well, I'm not going to tell you like you're going to out me. <laughs> yeah. So I think you have to go on more of like a hush hush approach so you want me to do a more grassroots approach you want me to to find people and get their because that's when you're that's when you're gonna find an authentic secret i know just where to go for this i got the i, I all right i have an idea i have an idea um so we'll re-record in about a month okay about a month from now i'll bring okay. what i found back to you and 
Yeah, and we'll and we'll, and we'll we'll see what I do. I don't know what the what the end result will be, but I'm excited I'm to see what terrified. secrets you come back to us with. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Private investigator, host of the Opperman Report. Uh, is it just on Patreon or is it everywhere? Because I heard it on TuneIn today. Opperman Report. Okay. Opperman Report is on five nights a week, Monday to Friday, on uh, five AM FM stations uh, in Nevada, California, Utah, and Florida. Um, then also the then the archives go up uh, to Spreaker. Mainly Spreaker.com is where I like to send people to. We have a little chat room there. And you can get a live email notification anytime new content goes up. And then I put up an extra eight hours of content a month up on Patreon. You go to my Opera Import Patreon, and there's a lot of free stuff on it too. All kinds You've of got stuff. An incredibly diversified uh, Patreon. Most people, it's just like they do a podcast episode and that goes on the Patreon. But I saw you have new Epstein footage on your Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Whenever something comes up, you know, because <laughs> I mean, the people of Patreon seem to be, they're the ones supporting me, right? So I said, let me get it to them first. You know, give them a little sneak preview and then I'll send it all over the place. So if I, you know, I got, I got the, the complaint in the OSU lawsuit, the Ohio State University lawsuit against that perverted doctor over there. Mm-hmm. And it, the guy gave me the, I interviewed the lawyer, he gave me the complaint. And I said, let me put it up on a Patreon and put it up over there. <laughs> I mean, be, and, and, and that's really interesting because most people don't think to use a tool like Patreon that way. Uh, how did you get into your line of work? And could you explain to the people at home kind of what you do? Yeah, I'm a private investigator and digital forensic investigator. So I do all the regular stuff a PI does, asset searches, background checks, locates, uh, you know, case preparation, stuff like that. Uh, but also, too, I did a lot of digital forensics with cell phones when the technology first came out in the early 2000s. And there were very few people doing it. Uh, so I did the phones in the Tiger Woods case. I did the first phone in the Wienergate case. Uh, I was involved in all kinds of stuff. Uh, Sarah Palin investigation. So you destroyed oh. the world. Yeah. Because Anthony, <laughs> An- the Anthony Weiner case destroyed the world. Like the, the ramifications, like the domino effect of like Anthony Weiner sexting had had it ultimately like trickles into like the Trump presidency if you follow it long enough. You know what? It's so true. And since the topic of the show is secrets, um, there's, I have a lot of secrets about the Anthony Weiner case that I can't talk about that I'd love to tell the world about uh, it, things that yeah, things that were kind of covered up. I uh, think but, you're but one, let me say something. Else. You yeah. want to hear something that a secret that people don't know about is that the people behind the Anthony Weiner case, the, the first woman, Maria, the poker dealer over there in Las Vegas, uh, her agent 
is the same woman that was behind Stormy Daniels' case, uh, the same woman behind uh, uh, the Wienergate, uh, same woman behind Tiger Woods, same woman behind all of the Charlie Sheen meltdown. The same people have been involved in these same things over and over and over again. How does that even happen? And how do you feel being like a vessel for like knowledge that the world can't know? It sucks. Um, <laughs> no, it really does, man. Especially like my involvement with the, the lawsuit against uh, Trump and, and Epstein, the 2015 lawsuit that I got involved in 2016. Because I wasn't allowed to talk about that during uh, that work at all. And here I'm doing the show on the radio about that story almost every week. And I couldn't talk about my involvement at all. And people would send me clips to magazine articles and, 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 <laughs> and you're wrong. This is what's really going on. And I'm like, oh, man, dude, it's my case. <laughs> but I can yeah, never say no. that, you know? Very yeah. frustrating. It sucks. Yeah, that's got to be so difficult because I have no secrets. As, a, as, a, as an independent journalist, I publish damn near everything that I can think of. And then at any, you know, my secrets aren't that good. I'm too young. I'm too fresh. How do you, what is a bit of the process for like uncovering the what you're not supposed to find and what makes a secret a good secret? Well, usually people come to me with the secret, you know, they come to me with the case, or Ed, we need you to find this out. I'm hired by an attorney or or, or even a client, you know, or, or, or a client who's in trouble. You see someone in the news who's in trouble and they need representation. You reach out to them and say, hey, do you have a lawyer? Do you have an investigator? Is somebody helping you? You know, which I did several times this week. I saw people in the news that were clearly in distress. And I contact. I can't talk about it, you know, but I, but I contacted them to see if I could advise them on their rights. No, that makes sense. And uh, here's a question for you, because you obviously have a, a cavalcade of information that uh, you cannot let out now and maybe will trickle out over time yeah. uh, in regards to things like the Epstein case. I see you all over the map. You're talking about Robert Kennedy. You're talking about do you have a, a favorite uh, piece of information that you've broken and that got to go to public? Yeah, right now, my favorite one is uh, the whole uh, Hunter Biden laptop story, which I, I think it's the most fascinating story that I've ever been involved in. What, what, um, what about it? Well, what happened was um, it's a long, long story. People mm -hmm. should go. To, I did an interview on Truman. It, it goes into the yeah. whole thing. But there's a lot of follow up in my Patreon, too. On it. I've done some shows that they're on there. But basically, I came into contact with this woman who was being stalked and abused by John Mark Carr. Uh, the JonBenet Ramsey guy who con con confessed to murdering JonBenet Ramsey, uh, he was stalking her. Uh, she got a restraining order against him. She was interviewed on Fox News. She came into contact with Fox News contributor Dr. Keith Ablo, who then began stalking and abusing and, and harassing her and, and sexually abusing her as well, had her thrown into a mental institution and continued their uh, relationship afterwards. It was a sadistic S&M relationship. And then uh, we filed a lawsuit. We put together a lawsuit against Abelou, which kind of fell apart, but he did lose his license over it. Uh, then uh, Keith, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hunter Biden, uh, who has similar interests to, to uh, Dr. Abelou <laughs> and similar behaviors, went to live with Dr. Keith Abelou for three months. Um, whatever happened, he left. He wasn't living there any, any longer, but he left behind some material. One of those materials was a laptop, a, an address book, uh, diaries, things like that of that nature. You got to be kind of a mess to leave behind a laptop well, and who a knows diary. What, well, who knows, you know, what the conditions of their leaving were. These are both guys that are really wild and out there, you know, because mm -hmm, yeah. um, there were two other victims of Ablo that he was drugging with ketamine and, and getting them prescriptions on the fake names and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so uh, he, <laughs> Dr. Ablo's brother 
uh, contacts this ragtag group of characters. Uh, there's a gentleman named Bradley uh, Birkenfeld, who was the whistleblower of Swiss bank accounts. He got a $100 million reward for this. And uh, he had a book signing party. Rudy Giuliani's there. Bo Deedle is there. Uh, John Kirkawa is there. Uh, Bernie Kerrick is there. And it comes up that, hey, Keith Ablo has Hunter Biden's laptop, and he wants to sell it for $2 million bucks. Okay? Birkenfeld gets together with Bo Deedle, the New York City uh, private investigator, and they hot-tail it down there to Massachusetts to <laughs> have a meeting with uh, uh, Dr. Now, now no longer doctor, you know, ex-doctor Ablo. Mm-hmm. And they, the negotiations fall through. You know, they didn't, he didn't get his two million bucks. And somehow, lo and behold, the next day, the DEA raids Dr. Ablo's home and take the laptop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how the laptop get over to that, uh, you know, supposedly over to that guy of the, uh, the, the store? Repair, yeah, the computer repair guy. The repair store. And wasn't that guy like blind or something? They, it was like a blind guy who runs a, a repair store. Yeah, yeah. He's a, I have a raw interview with him that I wasn't involved with, but it was sent to me by people who were there. Mm. Uh, four reporters, like Daily Mail, that kind of stuff, mm. are in his office grilling him, and his story just falls apart. That, that's up on the, uh, how uh, much, the Patreon, too, as well. How much does something like that drive you crazy somewhere? like? Because I think you are so, essentially, with is just focusing on this Hunter Biden story, yeah. you are saturated in details, specifics, and names. But then there's this other story that's kind of told to the public where <laughs> it's there's a laptop in a store and Giuliani wanted it or something like that. Whatever the pop, I don't even know what the popular narrative is uh, on the Hunter Biden story. I, I think maybe the train has passed on that. We'll, we'll get hit with more Biden content in the future. But what's it like seeing the popular narrative play out while you are someone who's deep in the specifics? Again, it drives me crazy. You know, it drives me crazy because, again, because, you know, I'm, I'm an investigator, but I'm also to a reporter as well, too. I, I, I want to expose the truth to people. And the average person uh, has just uh, no clue. And then when you try and tell them, and say, listen, I know these people. <laughs> I know it was my case. We, we sued Ablo. He lost his license because of me. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. And they just give me kind of a look like, oh, yeah, okay, well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. CNN says this. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. CNN. Uh, Here's a question for you. Um, So one of the earlier guests who set the parameters for like secrets said that uh, a good secret is something that's completely true that you don't want people to know. What do you think is better, um, breaking open a lie that someone is telling or exposing the truth? Or like, yeah, uh, so let me rephrase that. What is better, exposing that someone has been lying for a long time about something or exposing that someone has just been hiding something? You know, something, um, the word exposing, you know, especially like in this alt media world, you know, uh, where it seems there's a lot of like the podcasters and hosts that want to expose each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I, I never wanted to be that guy exposing someone. You know, I really, uh, I don't want to hurt people, but uh, if, it, if it's a juicy story, that's the truth that I enjoy that, you know? Mm. Um, but even still that, you know, I tell you, I was involved in something recently too, where, um, I, I, you know, I, I told the woman, I said, listen, you know, let's do the interview. And if you think there's anything that's going to hurt you later on, I'll just either cut it out or we won't use the interview, mm. you know? And there's a lot of stuff in there that's really important for the world to know. 
but I feel a, a, a loyalty to the, the client, you know, and, and I, I'm very conflicted in all this, as you can tell. You know? <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel yeah, you. It's very conflicting, you know? So I kind of aim my sights. My rule of thumb is like, cause I am, I'm, I, I like your work because I find my work to be relatively similar. Like I, I pressured Wells Fargo into moving like millions of dollars into Ooh. mortgage relief that they weren't going to accept. Uh, I covered like a homeless encampment and the media coverage helped get them houses. They beat the city. Um, so I, I try to aim my sights at institutions. Like mm. I, I'm, I'm, I always, I try not to hurt individual people, even if they're being bad, <laughs> because individual people I find to be less culpable than institutions in my line of work, but I'm not a PI. I don't have a client. I'm just kind of a, a muckraker. Uh, my mama calls me a muckraker. Uh, so it is extremely conflicting, the idea, the quote unquote information economy that like private investigators and journalists swim in where the bigger the thing you dig up, the more potential exposure, profits. It's just better for you if you find bigger stuff. And what is bigger isn't dictated by us. It's dictated by what a perceived audience would value. I totally agree with it, and 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 I, I respect what you're saying. If it's an institution, you know, or if it's a government official, something like that, yeah, then they're fair game. You know what I mean? But it's kind of like the old days, you know, with the organized crime guys who used to hang out with. That uh, if if you're in the game, you know, if you're out there doing things, you know, but then you know, you got to respect. You don't rat on each other. But if someone's a civilian, they can rat on you. You know, <laughs> if they, mm-hmm. if they're, you know, they're an innocent guy. And another thing too is another odd, because I'll talk to a lot of reporters, and. And they want to talk like the Epstein case, okay? Mm-hmm. After Epstein got busted, suddenly everybody knows what Arpman is. They want to talk to all these people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and they're telling me, well, no, you can talk to me. This is off the record. And I said, no, don't, there is no off the record with me. These these are my clients. <laughs> these yeah. are my, my clients. Well, you know, if you hired me, right? And then, you know, I'm going to talk about your case to someone else. And a lot of times, too, you know, when you talk to this report, in the future, they do want to hire you. they got a personal problem. They want to hire you. They need your help. Mm. You know? Uh, yeah. And you bring up the Epstein thing. I wasn't mm. going to ask you too many Epstein questions, but so we're, we're wrapping up the interview here. Sure. Um, do you think the people of 2100 will ever have clarity on the Epstein case? I think by then it'll be worse than the JFK assassination. There'll be uh, um, all kinds of lookalikes out there, <laughs> all <laughs> kinds of different crazy theories. It's a mess, you know. It, there's just so much disinfo that gets plugged into these stories. Uh, you know, it's just it's a nightmare. And I, I, and in 2100, you know, 2100, we're talking about. Yeah, it, it'll be like a, a, a hosh posh, you know, and the, you know, they'll have that official Warren Commission type story, and then crazy theories all over the place yeah because because you don't get clarity on any of this shit you don't get like nine not even 9 11 not yeah. even like the obvious things that are happening right in front of you can you get like a, a trust or security on it's just it's just so crazy to me that with all the cameras and with all the technology that we have now somehow it's become harder to understand reality uh and that, and, and that just to circle back to secrets is that so much of the little information that, that would tie everything together will stay secret because it usually dies with somebody or something like that. Uh, yeah. Also the memories change and uh, over years, you know, people convince themselves or, 
yeah, the longer things go on, just it gets more uh, buried. someone doing something and like expose a secret or or find some new information and I had no idea how to do that but I got extremely lucky if I don't know if these episodes have come out yet but one of the guests that's on two other episodes her name is Caitlin otherwise known as Slowpuke and she is a 21 year old Canadian TikTok, um, she's got a hundred thousand, more than a hundred thousand followers on TikTok, and she's a YouTube live streamer from Canada. And if you've heard those episodes, you would think that she was Canadian because she speaks like a Canadian. And I spoke to her for about a half hour over Zoom before she revealed a secret to me. And I think that this kind of like natural little secret is the most like freeing. You can hear the excitement in my voice, both now talking about it and introducing this secret, but also in the clip when I find out that I have exposed a secret. So give it up for Slowpuke. We're exposing Slowpuke. But I was gonna ask you, and you don't have to do this if you don't want to, because it might be awkward or whatever, but could you do a Marge Simpson, um, no, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to. I know. I need water. Okay. <laughs> my, my throat's got, I got to warm up my throat. Like an introduction uh, to the show or like a thank you for listening to the 2100 podcast as Marge Simpson. Okay. I'll yeah. try, I, I will try my best. This is like, the thing about this impression is it's like, it, it'll take me multiple takes because it is like How did like you know that you got into, how did you get into impressions? So fun fact. <laughs> Um, I won't get too deep into it, but a fun fact about me, I'm from England and the voice I'm using right now isn't like my natural accent. Um, I've always like, <laughs> I've always I'm using like mimicked this. voices. We're still recording and I'm using this in the secrets episode. <laughs> I have a whole okay. episode about secrets. Give okay. me a real voice. Okay. So I'm from, <clears throat> get ready. I'm from Manchester. I'm originally from Manchester in England. Oh, well, just outside of Manchester in Rochdale. And I moved to Canada when I was about six or seven years old. So I've lived here ever since, but I grew up in England initially. Yo. So <laughs> this accent has been me like mimicking like other people. other people to begin with. So I've just always like done that since oh, I was like a fucking... little kid. That's crazy. No, good. You gave me gold. You're going to be on the third episode now because you revealed a secret about yourself. Do you mind if I share that? Yeah, of course. Oh, that's fucking great. Does, so now what comes more naturally, Manchester or the Canada voice? Well, this like, it, it honestly depends who I'm talking to. Like uh, my, my parents and my family all still live in England. And if I'm talking to them, I'm going to talk like in my natural <laughs> yeah, voice. But be... like this, 
chatting up about Greg's sausage rolls and, and Bake Off. <laughs> God, I could go for fucking Greg's sausage roll. Right no, I, I did an internship in London for like four months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I love the UK, all that shit. So no, that's so funny. Yeah. But like this, like when I'm when I'm like, you know, talking to anyone from like North America, this will be like natural because it's like what I'm hearing, too. So it's just, just another like, Brit trying to get American roles. Uh, just and, another and Brit, you know, <laughs> colonizing. I'm colonizing North America this time. No, nah, you should. You should. Yeah, you, you, you owe it to the UK to make <laughs> make strides in French ass Canada. You can pan it, pan it. Returning guest, uh, for, you you were on the Hahnemann episode. Were you on any other episodes? No, no, just the Hahnemann. Oh no, no, no. Um, we recorded one with Ryan Briggs. I don't think it ended up. Yeah, no, 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 that didn't make it. We have a lot of audio that does not get recorded or put yeah. anywhere, which is a huge fucking pain in the ass. So you are Colt Shaw. You are a writer, reporter. You want to plug uh, where you work or where people can read your stuff, or no? Uh yeah, sure. I I'm very <laughs> about. <laughs> Uh, I write about renewable energy at the moment. I cover the Southeast and the Midwest. Um, and yeah, I do some like fiction writing on the side. Um, mm. Yeah, I was at the uh, Press of Atlantic City until last spring. And uh, yeah, that's about so, it. So basically, I've come to you because you're a journalist. You Some of your job is to uncover secrets and make them public. Some mm-hmm. of your job, yeah, you've... You, you have experience in this field. You've caught people. You've uncovered things, blah, blah, blah. What, in your opinion, makes a good secret? Um, well, for me personally, just as like someone that, like I love writing insane stories. Like I love writing stories where you kind of have to do like a double take. And to me, like the more insane the secret, like the better. It's just more fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Just where you just like, one where you have to just like kind of step back and gather yourself and just kind of like, try to wrap your head around like the gall someone would have to have. Here's a question for you. What is a better secret to you? A secret where you're catching someone um, telling a lie about themselves or Mm -hmm. um, exposing um, a reality about them. So those are two differences in lie that I find. There's someone going, I am this. It's Steve Renazizi saying, I was in 9-11. Is that I, your lie? That's my fucking lie. Ah! <laughs> God damn it. It's so good. It's All right, talk so about good. it since we started talking about it. So good. All right, so in 2009, Mark Marin had Steve Renazizi on WTF, the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. it's a podcast where he just kind of asks, he has leading questions. He, he kind of like wants them to talk about a certain thing. Yeah. Famous for like, getting emotional reactions out of people and people go deeper than they would on other podcasts for whatever reason, Steve Renazizi decided to say, 
that he was on the 54th floor of the South Tower on September 11th, 2001, working as a client liaison for Merrill Lynch. And when the plane hit the building, he, he recounted it as jostling the building, which is a hilarious word to imagine. Jostled. Like a huge 747 smashing into a... a Jostled. A yeah, you know, we got shook up a little bit. I dropped, I was carrying something and I dropped it. I was jostled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like unprompted. He used this as his, as his like origin story for why he got into journalism, or journalism, into com- uh, comedy, moved to L.A., he said his girlfriend was on another floor, which was also not true. But he just said all this, and he said for six or seven hours, he presumed she might be dead until she walked into their apartment later that day. Um, all made up. They both worked in Manhattan, but in different buildings, not, not in, like, Midtown. Uh, Merrill Lynch said he never worked for them. Um, but when I say about, like, I love the insanity of a lie is that when you go back and listen to this, I got a free trial to Stitcher to go back and listen to this, this Mark Maron. So the, the, the like sincerity with, with, with which he says it, like sends a chill down your spine. Like that is what I say when I said, like, is it just the lie or is it like what it reveals about the person? When you so ask here's that? my thing. Do it's you revealed. think he thought that he was in 9-11? Do you think he lied to himself enough that he was like, yeah, I was there? No, no, because yeah, I, no, no, I don't think he did. I think he was in the in like downtown, you know, and was like yeah. the mayhem of it all. But in so in, you know, this eventually came out in 2015, right? When the New York Times, someone said like, uh, no, I, no. they got a tip, but they were like, you weren't actually there, right? And he, he took it like a couple of days and then sent a response being like, yeah, I was a, a young guy. He was 32 years old. Mm-hmm. It was like a young mistake, but. But some, I was 32 years old, a young mistake. Yeah, yeah. Motherfucker, I'm 25. I know. If I said I was in 9 11 right now, I should be roasted. I think young mistakes and like, like where you can blame it on youth, probably like 23. Or yeah. 22, maybe. Early 20s. I don't think I could pull that off. A couple years at the bar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so why I say that is that that was 2015 when this all came out. But, um, he tried to like slow walk it a little bit in 2013. Like he, he was feeling guilty because he was on another show and someone was like, so yeah, you moved to LA because you were, you, you, you were a survivor of nine 11. Right. And that kind of changed your perspective. And he was, he said, I was outside really. So he started to like walk it back a little bit. He went from the 51st floor, 54th floor <laughs> to, the, to the, to the ground level to a couple streets back. No. So he, he, you could tell he was starting to feel guilty and he was just like trying to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that was in 2013. And then there was another one. I was listening to a Pete Davidson interview with um, oh, uh, Pete oh, Davidson for the people of the future. Uh, someone whose father died in nine 11. Yeah. His dad was a firefighter SNL uh, player. And um, he was on an interview with uh, Opie and Jim Norton. Mm-hmm. Um and they were talking about this and he said, let's see if I can. Okay. So Pete Davidson also around 2013 tweeted him and said, I heard you got into comedy because of nine 11. I think that's really cool. Cause he was like a huge fan of Steve and mm-hmm. He's also like a long Island. They're both, I think they're both long Island uh, based or, you know, that's their origin, but, and that's gotta be horrifying 
knowing as Steve Renazinzi that you lied about being in 9-11 and then another comedian becoming famous from your hometown who lost someone in 9-11 comes up. Yeah, that's exactly. probably why the slow walking happened. Well, this is what he responded to him. You could see it. He, get, he just goes something like that. That was Steve Renazizi's response to another comedian being like, oh, we have this connection. We're both comedians and, and you know, we, we, we're like, you know, we've, we've been a No, it's an absolute nightmare. It's, I, there's no answer for it either. Like you, you can look anywhere. I was a fan of his. Yeah. I was a Steve Renazizi fan because as a child, I liked the show The League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he I, is, I, for I, lack of a better terms, the, the main character, like the star. Well, I remember you like John Lejoie, right? I do like John Lejoie. You would know about this because you mm-hmm. probably lost the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because it is one of the greatest lies of all time is to say you were in 9-11 when you weren't. Yeah. Because, because it's the ultimate valor theft. Because you don't have to pretend you were in the military. It's a one-day thing. So if you could just get away with people not knowing or corroborating for one day. But let's say you worked somewhere you didn't work. That's so easily verifiable. I know. That's why I, I was like, how did this even last six years i heard he said it as a joke is what his new saying is his new thing is he said it was a joke when he said no 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 you can't no (laughs) he's dead he's dead serious he's dead serious and like i don't know to me when you talk about like what's your favorite part of a lie like is it revealing something about the person or this and that like that is insane and also reveals that he is insane yeah you have to be an absolute it's not on youtube but if you I don't know if you have access to like more. I'll try to splice some uh, some Renazizi 9/11 content in here. I always find a way. Do you have Do you have a second lie or no? I do. This one I kind of tried to pull a little bit from like my reporting. Okay. It actually didn't end up becoming a story because it's a secret. But mm-hmm. you've heard of Lena Blackburn uh, rubbing mud for baseballs. Rubbing mud for baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the I stuff mean, that like it gives it shiny when they're new and they're too slippery and they rub this certain very specific type of mud. It's been the same mud since 1938, um, and it was discovered by the Philadelphia Athletics' third base coach. Um, and I believe there's like two or three people that know the exact location on the Delaware Riverbed where they get this mud every year. I know this because I wanted to write the story because the the family that owns it now is based out of Margate, you know, like right down mm-hmm. the street from our offices when I was at the press of Atlantic City, and. You know, I called them so many times. I went to knock on their door and their address. I, I asked some neighbors that were out walking around. No one had answers for where they were. Couldn't get in touch with them. Um, and I just think it's really interesting because it's like such a secret that it appears that there's not even a clear answer on how much money they make. Because I pointed this out last year. Um, a reporter from NJ.com said that the, the family – this was like at the beginning of the coronavirus shutdown mm-hmm. that they, they are losing up to $200,000 a week right now uh, because of just, I guess, slowdowns in baseball, uh, whatever. So they were making $200,000 $200, a week on mud. That's what they, that's what they said in this NJ.com article. And I, I, I brought it to the reporter's attention that the year earlier sportsillustrated.com said that they, they make about $12,000 annually, the Bentliff family. 
Wow. And then not enough to make anyone rich or even particularly come. That's a good secret. I, I got a good secret too. Uh, that a, a reporting secret that I never got to to report on, and it was okay. about. Um, I went to so last season. Go back and listen to the Niagara Falls episode if you're listening to this right now. Feel free to listen to that after this, but. I interviewed Mayor Rob Restaino, the current um, mayor of Niagara Falls, New York. And I interviewed him four days into his term as mayor. So he was very fresh. First elected official job, blah, blah, blah. Everything was empty. No one was in the city hall building except for him and like a janitor. I walked right in. No security. Um, And I said, wow, it's really empty in here, blah, blah, blah. And then... After we stopped recording, boom, I asked him, I said, how, how was the transition? Um, I, it looks pretty empty in here. And he goes, they shredded 70 boxes of documents and wiped all of the computers. Uh, f- former mayor Paul Deister b- deleted everything before Rob Restaino stepped in. Both Democrats. Same party. Yeah. And then the more we checked out the neighborhood, there's all these um, spray paint and all this stuff all over the walls, like graffiti saying about how corrupt the city is and how they're not taking care of the city. So I started doing like cross cross referencing like this, the graffiti and like this guy doing all this stuff. I couldn't find anything. I foiled them. Uh, it, It was just hard. The incoming mayor was like convinced that this was not normal protocol. He, he was downright um, complaining and uh, saying bad things about the previous mayor. I love it. He said he didn't even say hi to him. They never shook hands. Damn. And I couldn't, I sent it to, I sent those leads to every single journalist at every single newspaper in Niagara Falls. Not a damn thing was done. And obviously you tried to call the, the outgoing mayor, right? Mm-hmm. Never got back to you. Yeah, he's a DNC guy. He's deep in the DNC. We'll see Paul Deister again. We'll see him, and I'll I'll, I'll hear from him. He'll probably be in like the state Paul senate in New York. And and there's no state. There is no state more corrupt than <laughs> New York's up there. New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. I guess Pennsylvania is not as bad as like I don't know old like Philly. New York, New York is it's all old. Like who? How do you even become a? Uh, you 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 have to be a celebrity before you become a politician in New York. Like Lisa Hillary Man. Clinton, Andrew Yang, Michael Bloomberg, all these people who are just kind of like, yeah. yeah, but that's more the mayor and the Senate. Yeah. So, what to you would make? Uh, so, which of those two do you, do you prefer? What what what? Because I I brought up this is not the first time I'm even bringing up the Renazizi uh, thing this episode. Ah shoot! I, yeah, knew I, brought, it. I brought it up in the intro to the girls who had no idea what it's what it is. So I'm excited that we'll get to it at this portion that we got oh, to well, it. Well, I didn't know if it messes it up, but I love doesn't one so much. I did a ton of research for that one. You did. You did a great job, and I, I'm I'm curious what other uh, big lies because I the, the Steve Ren is easy lies maybe. I, it's crazy. I haven't. He is in stuff still. He'll he'll he still gets work. I think because it's yeah. he's so embarrassed. Like, hey, well, the other thing that I was thinking of that made it more of a secret and not just a lie was that I believe he's with the same woman he was with in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. So she was just like, either she was like 
yeah, like do not ever correct yourself on this. Try not to bring it up. Or she was just like, you know, you're a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you're making me keep this secret too. My family keeps asking about 9 11. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't understand how it didn't come out earlier. Uh, I think that would probably last about a day or two now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't get away with something like that. That's some pre, pre-Twitter, pre-Reddit stuff. Yeah, and there's like, I mean, they were they were around, but it wasn't populated by like every um, every like you know half baked like internet sleuth that like tracks every fact down, which is mm-hmm. like, I mean, I guess good. I mean, it, it it's good out. enough. People are obsessed, but there's some stuff you can't fact check. Like if I made a lie, if I lied, I, I bet it would be hard to to get. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you don't have like got a rise to prominence and then. Yeah. Then they'll shoot you down. And if something's buried within a podcast too, you'd say anything at minute 45 of a podcast and get away with it for several years. Cause most people have turned off the podcast by then. I think it was like 25, 30 minutes. Into the That's podcast. what I mean. So it was buried enough where like uh, anyone who wasn't interested in Steve run probably turned it off by then. And then if you had no reason to question it, you just kind of let it go. And then over time, the truth always right. comes out. Absolutely. Well, there's one other thing I wanted to point out on the Lena baseball thing. I don't know how much editing you're planning on doing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to make this too messy of a, Hit of a, a thing for you, but I just uh, encourage everyone to go to, uh, I believe it's uh, baseballrubbingmud.com. Um, it's a very, very janky, janky website that looks like it was made in like 1997, which I think is just perfect because they, they, they are the only baseball mud company and they supply to like every league. I believe they, they, they uh, supply to softball leagues, some like little leagues and but to Japan, Mexico. And, yeah. Like, and they're the only one. And, and it's just so funny that like they can just continue to have like this, like little like two bit operation because no one else knows where on the Delaware riverbed, this particular, you know, viscosity of mud is found. Um but it's hilarious because it, it is direct. It's been the same mud since 38, I think. So it's something about these the- are not this, the mud. The baseball mud story is not going to impress the girls. I can tell you that much. OK, so you're a rocket scientist. OK, so you're Brad Pitt. OK, so you got a car that don't impress me much. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist. We are now at the end of the episode where I've gathered my secrets. I've talked to my people. Immediately after we talked, it ended with me saying, oh, I know who I want to get. uh, and he's he was our first guest this episode. Ed Alberman's not. None of these people are that famous. I don't expect you to know anyone. We okay, talked. I thank you. Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh. no, I'm introducing all these people to my to to the to the vast audience. Ed Opperman is, and I'm reading his bio, uh, a private investigator and digital forensic investigator. 
He mm. is best known for his work as the guy who cracked the Tiger Woods uh, cheating case. He also did the Anthony Weiner sexting case. And he's also on the Jeffrey Epstein uh, case as well. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked to him up at the top of the show and I asked him about his favorite secrets. And uh, he, his, his talking to him was interesting because he's got secrets he couldn't even reveal on the show. So his, real, he's, real he's like the highest tier of secrets. But the one he gave us, the one he told us about, and I, I feared that none of these secrets would resonate with you. So I'm, I'm stressed. So give me an inch here. Uh, do you guys know anything about Hunter Biden? Um, a little bit. He got in vague trouble. Did you, does anyone remember he got in trouble stuff. and his like laptop was missing? Someone uncovered his laptop and then Rudy Giuliani tried to pay for his laptop. Well, at the beginning of this story, uh, Ed Opperman explains the entirety of how that happened and how it ended up in Massachusetts. And it's this big convoluted lie. And I knew it wouldn't satisfy you guys. It is going to satisfy the rest of our listeners, but I know it's not going to satisfy you guys. So we're going to move right past Ed Opperman and we'll move to the two that I think might get your attention. Okay. Second guest on the show was a TikTok uh, lady. Now you're talking. Yes. <laughs> she's a TikTok like um, lady. I don't know. Yeah, not even a lady. She's 21. So she's young. She's not a lady. Uh, I guess she's a lady. I don't know. I shouldn't get it, get into semantics. But her name is Slow Puke. Uh, she's a TikTok person with like 150 some thousand followers and she's a Twitch streamer. She didn't, I didn't even want to book her for a secret, but she let out a secret on air uh, that is that made it into the episode. Oh. I interviewed this woman for 30 minutes and then at minute 30, she was like this, I'm not Canadian. I'm not actually, I don't actually talk like this. I'm British. And then she started talking British for the rest of the episode. What? Yeah, so it was a much better show. So she just fakes, she fakes being Canadian for her regular life. So it was like a little yeah. personal secret that you let loose. So on her TikToks, what, what Canadian. how is she speaking? Canadian. Did she have to teach herself this accent? Yeah, she when she moved over when she was like eight. So in her family, they all talk British. But in her public life, she's also an actress. So she goes out on auditions in Canada, straight up Canadian voice. And but she her can just turn it on and off? Yes. And it, it was it was good because it was a real secret to me. But then, and originally I told this guy that nobody would like his secret. But the more <laughs> I think about it, I think it's the secret that has the most whimsy and would likely win over you two and probably not the rest of the listeners. Okay. <laughs> there is a magical mud that you rub on baseballs. So everybody in the major league base in the MLB buys mud from this one company uh, in New Jersey who, who do, and it's just secret mud and they make questionable amounts of money. They've reported millions of dollars. They've reported thousands of dollars, but it's this one mud that everybody in the MLB has been buying since 1938 that it's good for baseballs. It's good for That's pitchers. To, it, right? Yeah. I've it's one it. person. It's one company. Wait, and nobody else knows do? where this mud is. It makes like throwing the ball like more spin. 
Wow, look at you, sporty girl. My dad yeah. is like a huge Phillies fan, so like that's why he knows. She knows about but the mud. That's crazy that it's one company. I never One company, and the reason that it is probably the best secret that we have found is that it is still a secret. Our journalist, the third guest was journalist Colt Shaw. He was okay. a journalist who'd been on the story, and he doesn't know what, what's in the mud. Interesting. Hmm. Nobody knows what's in the mud. So uh, that's crazy. They've been doing it since 1938. There's no way that it's not like, it's way more than thousands. There's no way that it's not. Well, it's it's a millions, allegedly. But the thing is, if you go on their website, baseballrubbingmud.com, it looks like it's just like a mom and pop website, mom and pop organization. But uh, they've told certain people they make millions. They've told certain people they, they make thousands. I just think that's for tax avoidance purposes. Mm -hmm. But that's the beauty of the secret. These people yeah. are dead ass going to the Delaware River taking a bucket, scooping the mud, and then s literally selling mud for millions yeah, for of dollars. for all we know, it like has crap, like dog Something shit. Like for all we know, it's not special at all. They claim that other mud will will uh, stink up your locker room and be too heavy for the baseballs. So I want to ask you, which is the best secret? Which, which, which one do you guys uh, prefer between these three different types of secrets? We've got one, which is like a high level, like political secret. Mm -hmm. We've got one that's like a social societal kind of mm -hmm. slow puke lion. And then one is magical baseball mud. Okay. So I can give my opinion and then you want to okay. give yours. Okay. Honestly, the third one that I'm ranking is the TikTok one, just because I feel mm -hmm. like I that's like the least mm. secretive to me only because granted, yes, some people may not know, but it wasn't like she made up a British accent and then made up a Canadian accent. Like she by default has a British accent because that's where she came from. And then by default had to learn the Canadian one to like then pursue her career. So is it really a secret? I don't know. I just think it kind of is like more of just like, that's just her situation. Yeah. That's number three. I'm, I'm bouncing the other two between one and two. I like the baseball one, and I think it's cool because it is a secret. It's almost just like the secret recipe. Like, what is in yeah. the secret recipe of, like, this mom and, you know, like, the, yeah. the family-owned business? There's not a lot of magic in the world, so when something goes unknown, I'm mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm rooting for that thing. Yeah, I was going to say the third one as well, the baseball one, because I feel like it's just crazy that they make millions probably dollars <laughs> and like no one even knows and they got pictures of him with like of the mud with like 1930s baseball players in fenway park like, like this mud they just have it on the order sheet every year like we're getting a bunch of tubs like of this, this mud. huge organization like the mlb <laughs> buys this and they don't even know what's in it like that's wild What's well, even cooler is that, like you said, if it's super, like, there's absolutely nothing in it, but it's the idea that the, it's like carried. A effect. It's yeah. carried such a, like, oh my goodness, it's we have mud. to have the mud. This mud is very important. That, mud. But it could be just, like, the pitcher's thinking, like, oh my God, I have yeah. the mud on this ball, so, like, it's thinking it's been better. Maybe it's just regular mud. Yeah, like, I would love to see if you put two different muds in front of them, not telling them which is which, and seeing if they. A double blind study? A double blind mud study. Maybe yeah. you should do that. I, I, I've got enough on my plate, but maybe I'll get Colt to do it. I'm excited because I, had, you can do I, it. <laughs> I had low, I had low expectations for the mud story and I'm happy because it was right, right when you DM'd me earlier today and we're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do it at this time. Yada, yada. I was like, maybe the mud story isn't so bad. And I no, feel bad not. because the song leading us into this is, um, 
Because it's all girl, girly music in this. Is that, it's Shania Twain. Uh, fuck. Okay. Love. So you're like Brad Pitt. No, no, no. The one where she's like, you don't, okay. imp- that don't so impress me much. And it was right oh, after I me. Te- it was right after me telling Colt that his mud story would not impress you guys. So oh, I'm happy. Get out. Human. Colt. What's up? What's it called? Right now. I'm recording for the 2100 podcast. I I wanted to call you for some good news. Oh, yeah? What's that? The girls picked the mud story. No. They picked the mud story as the most interesting secret. Dude, we got to re-record that. (laughs) No, 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 no. I admit my faults, and this is me admitting that I was wrong. (laughs) See, I thought that was interesting. I don't know, man. I I, I think the 9-11 one well, I didn't tell them the 9-11 one because I mentioned the 9-11 one at the beginning of the podcast. So, and they didn't seem interested. They're, they're like nice girls. You don't want to throw 9-11 at them. Yeah. It, I mean, take 9-11 out of it. It's uh, like the dude lied about being in the tower. That's pretty funny. I it, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but I, I wanted Am to call I you. on the podcast right now? Yeah, I'm recording and this is going to be how the show ends. <laughs> Yo, Kevin, I'm on a podcast. You want to say something to the world? Nah, I'm good. Thank you for listening to the 2100 Podcast. You stare me down across the table while I look outside. So many things I'd say if only I were able, but I just keep quiet and count the cars that pass by. Listening to the 2100 podcast. Yo, Kev, I'm on a podcast. You want to say something to the world? Sounds good, good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. But what should I scream for? This is my theme park.